Welcome to Is Main Is a Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Omar Lopez, and I'm joined with an uncultured trash urchin, Josh Hemo. You know, it's always so great every week. I don't know if I'm going to get complimented or insulted. It's like a fun little roller coaster. Yeah, it's like real life. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's like a little mix. It's, it's, I like that our podcast kind of, yeah, it kind of keeps uh, the reality within the, the fantasy of our podcast, you know? It's really, really meta, for yes, sure. Super meta. Well, this week we are watching season two, episode eighteen, Sailor Mouth and Artist Unknown. And actually, Josh, before we get into the episode, yeah. I would like to propose a proposition. Is that what you do? You have proposed propositions? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I think we should go this entire episode without cussing. All right. I'm gonna accept this challenge. I'm gonna try not to mess it up. All right, let's get into this shiz. Act one, Sailor Mouth. So, in this act, SpongeBob accidentally learns a cuss word while taking out the trash because it's written on a dumpster. Patrick walks by and he says, oh, that word, that's a sentence enhancer. So SpongeBob and Patrick spend the rest of the episode just cussing up a storm. So finally, Mr. Krabs reprimands them. And right when they're about to get punished, Mr. Krabs accidentally drops all 13 bad curse words. And then they run and tell Mr. Krabs' mom. It's a pretty simple episode. Straightforward. Lots and lots of funny noises where vulgarity should be. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, I like that there are 13 bad words if you're a sailor. I wonder what it's like if you're not, right? Well, because uh, apparently Squidward references, you know, George Carlin's famous bit where he's like, these are the seven curse words or whatever. Yeah. But... um. It's nice to know that George Carlin like exists in this universe. This universe. This SpongeBob <laughs> universe. There's a fish version of George Carlin. Rest in peace. Shout out. <laughs> I do like how this episode starts off like with the title card with like a pirate shanty playing. I like really enjoyed that. It's not it's not often we actually get like lyrical um music that plays in the title. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one thing I actually liked more about this episode starting out is that we started out with a solid roast of Squidward, where <laughs> Mr. Krabs calls the trash a pile of filth, but SpongeBob's like, oh, Mr. Krabs, don't talk about Squidward that way. Poor Squidward. He doesn't do anything. Immediately roasted. And then he gets roasted again when, he go, when he's reading all the uh, stuff on the, the graffiti on the trash can, and he's like, Squidward smells. Oh, yeah, all the dumpster writing. I just love that that classic. Squidward smells good. <laughs> so uh, it's it's really like refreshing that like SpongeBob still holds Squidward in such a high regard. Yeah. Yeah. And only thinks the best of people. I want to understand why so many people don't though. Like this is a consistent theme that we see graffiti of Squidward being bashed. I want to know why. I just think it's there's such an uneven distribution of Squidward love and Squidward loves himself so much and I wonder if that's the reason why people hate is just to even it out. Yeah. You know, it's Maybe. like equilibrium. It's like the universe trying to make him humble. Yeah. <laughs> um I do like that basically this dumpster which SpongeBob puts it pretty accurately. He's like the voice of the people. Uh and I I do think that like Graffiti is kind of like the voice of the people, but it reminds me a lot of YouTube comments. 
Oh. Yeah, I'm like, the this dumpster is like YouTube. And you just see like all these wonderful, like random but somehow related uh comments that people are leaving and some of them are nice and some of them are like pointless, like the starfish rule yeah. uh thing that's on the back. Um also I was a little concerned about dogfish hearts catfish <laughs> because we've never met a dogfish or catfish, I no, think, in SpongeBob yeah. yet. At least not yet. I don't know if in the new ones. I think that we do eventually. I think I like a vague memory of like them making a joke about catfish and dogfish, but hmm. maybe. I wonder. I know there's a sea bear. Sea bears come out. Yeah, love to see. Uh, I did like how Patrick referenced Mr. Krabs as the red sweaty guy that you work for. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess I've never really thought about Mr. Krabs as sweaty. In the Mrs. Puff episode with where he's dating, he kind of has some sweat. And sweat looks to him. Yeah, I guess a lot of times when he's like thinking about money and stressed, he does get kind of like sweaty and gross, or not gross, but like, yeah, just has like sweat dripping down. So maybe he's just in a constant state of like sweating <laughs> anxiously. Oh God, nasty. Um, I also like how in the dumpster it says Patchy was here. Oh, and it just join it just further like adds like evidence to what Patchy is in this universe. Because I'm still trying to figure out exactly where he fits. Like, I know he's, like, a fan, but, like, can he visit Bikini Bottom? Can he, um, is he an influence on there? Like, has he met Spongebob personally? Like, what's going on? I still think that it's all in his head. So it kind of makes sense that Patchy was here would be graffiti on a trash can. You think this is all a figment of Patchy's imagination? Or some sort of weird pirate so psychosis cult that he has going on. Yeah. He has scurvy, and that scurvy <laughs> just turned into SpongeBob. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I also was really confused that SpongeBob laughed about nematodes or people too. Because like, we've shown that nematodes are kind of like these things that just eat things. Eat everything, yeah. I don't know, he's all like, oh, nematodes, like just laughing. Like, I mean, What would be the equivalent for us? Graffiti like that, right? Would it be like... Like ticks or like ticks fleas? or like uh, these are people too. Yeah, maybe like termites to us. Except that the nematodes talk. Like in the episode where they eat everything, they're like more or still hungry, still hungry, and whatever. Yeah. Mm. Maybe a nematode uh, wrote that. Maybe, maybe that's why SpongeBob found it funny. Yeah, he's like, oh, those nematodes <laughs> trying to fight for rights and recognition. How silly. <laughs> what would be a sentence enhancer for you? Like, what would, what would that mean to you? Because I never really thought about it, you know, and especially as a kid, like, I thought it was just a joke, you know, but now I'm like, there's, there's got to be something that people sprinkle into conversations, right? I think every person has their own unique sentence enhancer. Oh, okay. And I think that those are just the, like, the, ha- the bad habits. I wouldn't say bad. I would say just habits that people have when they speak, mm-hmm. like saying like, or... Um, even just like me, like I'll say, um, or, or like, I'll you know, things. Or, oh, exactly. Yeah. But I think in academic writing, sentence enhancers are like all the adverbs you put in <laughs> to try to make your sentences bigger. You mean when you're that writing a paper? Up. Yeah. Get that word count. Things not to do at a stoplight. <laughs> the most impressive thing that you cannot possibly want to do Anytime you're at a stoplight, you just add all these little words, 
Those are I sentence can, enhancers. You can definitely see that. Yeah. <laughs> I do consider vulgarity sentence enhancers. I feel like there's a lot of times where like a point can be made when you drop like the F word. I definitely think yeah, it's like punctuation. It's very much like I think cussing acts like punctuation for a sentence. Mm-hmm. Especially if it comes to someone who doesn't cuss a lot. Like I find that when I talk to someone, they usually don't drop the F bomb all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like fudge this sucked i'm like oh wow something must have really like gotten to them right Mm -hmm. yeah and then uh when spongebob drops all those vulgarities it's weird how like squidward has a ear grow out of his (laughs) but my favorite part about that part was that he like slaps the ear back Back in (laughs) so like it's always coming out he's just like no 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 go back to your (laughs) cave why are sailors always the ones that are like roped with vulgarities? I don't know if that's entirely true. I don't I wouldn't say they're more vulgar or less vulgar than other people. I wonder if it comes from like olden times with like pirates and stuff where like sailors and pirates were like not necessarily on the same ring like as each other, but you're still kind of like just kind of gross like this weird macho toxic masculine toxic thing. boat yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think that we look at, like, the the Navy like that right now. Like, I don't think of, like, a person that's in the Navy and be like, oh, they cuss a lot. But I think probably back then when it was, like, people using ships to deliver goods and stuff, it was probably more, like, all right, those are the, like, the truck drivers. Like, that's what probably what we think of, like, truck drivers nowadays, right? Yeah, but even then, I don't know. Uh, I guess I guess I imagine truck drivers are just, like, big, burly people, not really, like, I don't really think about how they talk. I just think about... They're driving this big old truck on the road. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but like sailors also get roped in with like the weird like STD like thing that they're yeah. like they carry around vulgarities and STDs. And I feel like being a sailor is not a very, <laughs> a very highly regarded position. No. Throughout history, which is weird because like without sailors, where would we be? Yeah, everyone would have just stayed on one continent. Oh, that would have probably been better. Yeah, actually. honestly, <laughs> when you think about it. You know, maybe it does. Sailors do deserve the negative <laughs> the connotations. They got. Yeah, <laughs> because of their fault, colonization exists. Man, <laughs> we get to see eels and escalators. I oh, did. Yeah. I forgot it was in this episode. I knew yeah, it was in too. some episode, but I was like so happy to see it. Yeah, I love I, that it's just like eels. Yeah, <laughs> escalators, escalators. Um, but it's. I think it's funny when they're talking before that how they think proper people speak and like SpongeBob <laughs> ends his speaking with. Yeah, verily. I'm like, what is this? I've never even heard of that before. Yeah, and like the way he uses it, like where he puts it in the sentence is just really weird. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I'm not an English major, so I don't know. But the whole eels and escalators did bring me to like my first like small lesson from the episode is um, on both sides of the coin, don't be a sore loser, um, mm-hmm. especially with board games or anything. And don't be that like piece of poop winner who's like... <laughs> bragging and like flaunting it in your face and stuff i feel like that's just the worst i don't want to play board games with those people you know i don't know like i feel like there's a good mix like i don't there's think there's a good mix for sure but i don't think patrick was a good example of that i don't know i i would side that patrick had just enough bragging rights mm, okay because he was like on a hot streak like to win i just i just like read the room like clearly this person's mm-hmm. losing over and over and over again like i'm not gonna rub it in their face i guess situation it's like if i'm playing monopoly and this person's like clearly just getting screwed all over 
Mm-hmm. I'm not going to brag like, oh, you landed on my yellow. Like, you're going to pay <laughs> me all this rent now. <laughs> that was a close one, Josh. You I almost know. let that I know. slip. I almost got it. I almost got it. <laughs> you almost had it. Um, speaking of sore losers, because one time I was playing card games with kids and I kept winning. It wasn't on purpose. I just kept winning. Cheater. <laughs> and definitely was cheating. Just kidding. No, I'm just that good at that game, apparently. I forget what the game was called. But how do you feel about cursing in front of children? Do you think that, because I grew up in a household that was very much like, nah, we do not curse at all. I think there's some hypocrisy here when it mm-hmm. comes to cursing in front of children. Because I, I grew up in a household where my mom was always like, we'll wash your mouth out with soap. I think mm-hmm. she actually did once, like, maybe, mm-hmm. like, eat soap or whatever because I said a cuss word or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then some adults will just go and cuss on the phone when they're, like, talking to their family or whatever. So, I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, it's, I don't know. I think making, demonizing these cuss words makes it more appealing for mm-hmm. a kid. It's the same way of, like, making sure they never do drugs and alcohol and all this other stuff makes it more appealing yeah. For I also kid. put in my small lessons that adults are hypocrites. It's good yeah. thing that you brought it up too. Because yeah. like there are so many times again, a, an adult will tell their kid that they're not allowed to curse, but then curse in front of them. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times, and I think this is why I didn't curse a lot when I was younger, is because I saw my parents not curse mm-hmm. at all. You gotta live especially by example. Like, yeah, especially my mom. Like she definitely still to this day does not curse. And if I curse on the phone with her, she's like she gives me like, mm, <laughs> she like she gives you. me one of those, um, which okay, it's 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 my mom. She can do what she wants. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I think there is a responsibility of maybe people in public not to curse as outward, which is I think is more weird in New York because I can't tell you how many times I've been on a subway and like some person just comes out and it's like cussing up a storm, like at yeah. the top of their lungs, like they're they're upset about something. And they're just like, you know, dropping the F-bomb. And then like, like sometimes there's a lot of racial slurs turned, like thrown around. But like, there's like little kids on the train. I remember one time I was really worried for these little kids because this guy was like pacing and screaming. And I was like, oh man, these like kids do not know what they're in for because they just looked traumatized. <laughs> they were just like afraid. Like, but I think just <laughs> afraid of all the yelling, not really yeah. afraid of the vulgarities. Well, I think especially for kids, it's hard hearing yelling and stuff like as you get older you get used to like hearing just people drunkenly yelling or whatever but for kids Mm -hmm. it's like if they unless they live in an abusive household which like that's more there's more problems to that but they probably don't run into yelling a lot you know like that but it's i don't know it's crazy that how curse words are like perceived in society because i think it is like a little bit of a classist thing yeah because like a lot of people are always told like i remember being younger being told like Oh, like the people who use curse words don't have the vocabulary necessary to express themselves. Yeah. Which it's like like beneath you. Yeah. Yeah, it's beneath you to curse. And I feel like that was just like a sad way of trying to get kids to not curse. Yeah. But cuz I mean, I think there's a little bit of truth in like, you know, you know, poor people tend to curse a little more. And I think that we kind of separated ourselves from like oh, cursing is seen as like this like like you said, beneath you. Yeah. And like I think about that a lot. Like if I'm gonna have kids, like am I gonna let them curse? Am I gonna stop cursing? Because like I don't want them to be I don't know, it's like that that situation, do I break the wheel and then just let them curse? Yeah. 
and like just be like screw it like they're they're adult they're like i i use the words they can use the words i'll just tell them not to use them in you know public or towards me or like whatever in certain situations right 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 yeah and that and what age do you allow it is another thing too right mm-hmm. you're not gonna have my little five-year-old running around like yelling the b word or stuff like that right yeah no yeah but i do i have heard other people and especially like even other podcasts that talk about their kids and they're like yeah just let i just let my kid curse because it's hilarious because they don't know what it means and they just curse and they just curse and it's hilarious like to see like a small kid with their little itty bitty baby voice drop the f-bomb it, I mean, it's funny for sure until they go to school and then you're being the one that's reprimanded because the teacher won't allow that, right? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's the problem. But do you think we could have just in society been like, eh? I think, think we're being too hard on it. We we should just be like, nah. Like kind of like sex like sex education. I think I think, yeah. At some point I think we've been too hard on it. I think it's been like this weird properness, but like nowadays, like even with most of my friends, like it's like cussing is I'm not really like wincing when they're cussing. There's certain words for sure, but like mm-hmm. mostly if you're dropping like the F bomb or like B or whatever, it's it's like usually okay. Like I'm like, all right, that's whatever. You know, it seems pretty normal now. Especially in music too, like use those words a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like I feel like there's a lot more uh, like vulgar words on the radio than there used to be. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. that's even different from when when we were and our parents. were. I you think know? It's, it's just a change of the times. I mean, it's the same thing where people have tat- like I have a tattoo on my forearm and like before, like what, 19, whatever, like before when I was younger, even that wouldn't have been acceptable yeah, people are like right? oh you need to wear long sleeves everywhere you go and when i see like people that. tats all over their bodies so it's 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 a weird changing the times kind of thing you know yeah. but you know what doesn't change stealing from your mom not okay i don't <laughs> accept that <laughs> mr krabs <laughs> mr krabs did leave taken us a, from a dead woman his dead mother <laughs> that he thought was dead yeah. which i think was even worse <laughs> i guess in the end you're like that person's <laughs> I don't know if they don't have a will, or you're the. Uh, it seems like he's an only child. I don't know. He's what he would have had to collect it anyways. <laughs> All right, <laughs> different morals here. It's fine. <laughs> Just don't steal from your mom. You ready for uh, this week's bubble break? I'm ready. So this week I wanted to be a little bit more uh, inventive. I Selfish. guess. Selfish. Selfish. <laughs> <laughs> Call me out. Wow. We've been real into Minecraft lately. I believe it's coming back. <laughs> uh, well, definitely Minecraft is coming back. The TikTok foresees it. Um, but yeah, a lot of people don't know, but Josh has basically been coming over like once a week, not to record this podcast, which we record in <laughs> each other's homes late at night because it's just easier to edit and kind of usually quieter. Yeah. But um, he's been coming over to play Minecraft uh, because... I only have it on my PlayStation 3, and I think, what do you have, a PlayStation 4? PlayStation 4, yeah. Yeah, so we can't play together because cruel, cruel financial fate. (laughs) Eventually, I'm going to get it for a Switch, and I'm going to just tell Josh to get a Switch. Yeah, or maybe it'll be cross-platform for PC, and I can play on that. Anyways, (laughs) Anyways. I think this is a good way um, to talk about kind of both the frustrations in both parts of this episode. There is the cussing and the anger that comes from playing Minecraft. And like a lot of artistic expression that comes from this game. And I thought this would be a nice time to kind of talk about that. So, Oh, yes. Uh, I would really like to talk about from an artistic standpoint, what 
what goes in your mind when you're like, I'm about to, because a lot of people who don't, who haven't played Minecraft, or if you do know, it's like usually the first thing you do after you explore the map is figure out where you're going to live. And, uh, and what's your, what's your choices on that? How do you, how do you figure out where's a good spot? And, uh, how do you start building your house? Like what, what designs come to mind? So I think we talked about it in past episodes where like our dream home, our dream life. And then we talked about like in Minecraft, mm -hmm. this is what I do. I like find, And that's what I do. I find like usually some flat land that's close to some water. Cause mm -hmm. I like the idea of like looking over a lake or something. And that's usually pretty close to, if there's a village in the map, pretty close to village to get some like resource stuff. Yeah. Um, but then from there, it's a lot about, how aesthetically I want to build this. And I, I like using like trees and water and like Omar scene. Like I build a lot of fountains and stuff oh, in yeah. my, yeah. In He's got my, like this whole like hedge perimeter going on that I, I do. I love using hedge um, walls. It's great. I have like a, a love hate with it though, because like I like the openness usually, mm -hmm. but like from the outside, I think hedges look really nice, but I'm from the inside. I'm like, I want to be able to see beyond this. Oh, uh, that's why I just build my house high up with like large windows and stuff. Nice. Yeah. How about you? Like, what's your aesthetic? For me, it changes every single time. My I always end up picking like a darker wood for my house. Uh huh. Um, I just think the dark wood looks nice, nicer than the light wood. Um, but I try. I'm trying more and more now to like build into the landscape. I like like the whole like Frank Lloyd Wright situation where they're like, oh, there's a waterfall or there's this. Like, how can we create a home that integrates the things around it? So it's less like obtrusive and you're like not bulldozing the land and doing all this. Cause I have done that before in Minecraft. I'm like, I like this. And I just dig out like a big flat part over on top of like a mountain. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, this is where I'm going to build from here. But I do like the idea now that's like, it looks like it's a part of the situation. Like I, I built in a spot that, that my house fits in. I didn't fit my house into a spot that was there. Which you know? the one that you have right now is really cool for our listeners who haven't seen it. It's like part of a mountain, so it looks like a big like kind of mountain fortress to mm -hmm. it. It got some Lord of the Rings vibe to it. It's I'm okay cool. with that. That yeah. Helm's Deep feel. It, yeah, it's really cool, and like you got that natural waterfall and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually in the process right now of hollowing out the mountain on the inside, it's, but it still looks like a mountain from the outside. Okay. Which, like, you it's know, the outside you, aesthetics. It's <laughs> you never want to do that with a real mountain because that'd be bad. Yeah, but but on the inside, I'm I'm I got some big plans. It's gonna be it's gonna be real nice in there. I'm in the process of trying to make it really grand, even though the mountain's really thin. That's what I really like about this game is that I think a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Hannah Lockhart, um, consider it uh, nerdy, oh. nerdy crap. I cursed. Oh no! Oh, how do you get punished for this? Forty lashes. Forty lashes. Oh no! Um, it was the call out. It threw me off. I was go. gonna. I said the D word. I was supposed oh. to say dang, but I said something else. It's okay. That's like that's like lowest tier curse word. It's, it's maybe possible. I'll just cut it out. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But, like, people think it's, like, nerdy and whatever until they play it. And they realize, like, there's a lot that you could do. And it's, like, a lot of, like, cool artistic expression and stuff with it. Like, I, I really enjoy, like, building a house that fits how I want to view. You know, 
it's like making art in a way it's but super I, mellow too it just yeah. like just like, zone out yeah zone out put on some music it's the perfect kind of sh- like kind of a video game where you can like put on you know like a show in the background you can put on a podcast like ours maybe hint, hint. or some music like I feel like so many other video games, I don't want that. I don't want music in the background. I want to be fully immersed in the game. Right. And I feel like this game is the only game where you can, like, I can have music in the back. And you can still hear, like, you know, like, the little sound effects and stuff. But, like, you're not worried about feeling the experience of being inside this world. Nah. That's not to say there's not frustrations. Like, the <laughs> in that time that you aren't cursing up the storm. Like when you can't find a dang carrot anywhere in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's where uh, Josh and I currently are are having trouble. We have to find one carrot, a single carrot. That's all we need. A single carrot, so we can grow multiple carrots. The mother carrot, if you will. But it's it is good. So if you guys haven't checked it out, I highly suggest checking it out and maybe listening to the podcast as background music. Why yeah, not? That, that'd be good. Yeah. Act two: Artist unknown. So Squidward has decided to start teaching art classes at the local rec center. Uh, he opens the doors and is really excited to see a bunch of people, but they're all there for cooking except for SpongeBob. So the rest of the episode is him trying to teach SpongeBob um, some art, and it doesn't really work out. He kind of gets overzealous or jealous because of uh, how artistically inclined SpongeBob is and then tries to make him come back and actually recreate his art because some big art... Uh, gallery owner is really into this statue that spongebob made so yeah uh, to start off i just kind of wanted to know um omar would you prefer a cooking class or an art class mm-hmm. what kind of art class is it like a general See, I guess thing or that's, like that's, specialized i think that's the problem that Squidward ran into right his there's no clear defined term about what his art class was it was like yeah. Some sculpture making, some painting, but um what art would you be more inclined to taking a class for? If I could do like even basic just drawing, I think would be good for me. Uh-huh. Uh if it was in between cooking and art, I don't know. I think currently right now there's a lot of things that I wish I could do from an art perspective. Yeah. And less what I can do from like a cooking perspective because I feel like a lot of the cooking skills that I need are more financially based like i would rather go out and buy good ingredients and stuff like that and then like try cooking up something fancy like i don't feel like the skill sets i need more practice with i just feel like i need to just do it you know yeah like i would love to bake a cake but i don't have a kitchen aid and i don't like have the counter space and i don't have the patience to make a cake you know yeah whereas compared to like I don't even know where I would start really if I was going to start drawing. Yeah. Like it would be wonderful to like have like a take like a figure ment- drawing class or something like yeah, that. Right? And like yeah. Like just having a mentor to be like, Hey, like this is looking good. Like this is how you can be better at it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it's more useful to me, I think in my career. Yeah. Like cooking is more like I like eating. So, right. That's what I, do. And I feel like if you're taking a cooking class at a rec center, I think it's really going to be more of you don't know the basics. Yeah, this is <laughs> how you hold a knife. Egg. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, how do you feel about professors who are kind of outshined by their students? Do you think that must be stressful? 
I wrote that down too. I think that's a really interesting concept, right? Like if mm-hmm. you are the professor, the expert, the mentor, right? But you have a student who clearly shows a lot of potential who is better than you. Like how do you treat that situation? And I think a good teacher would help that mentee foster, right? Mm-hmm. You'd find yeah. them opportunity. You try to refine their skills. Like you as the mentor know more about mm-hmm. how to refine the skills. You might not have all... You might not be as good, but you know how to refine it better. And I think that's the way to go about it is really kind of give like an expertise kind of feel to it, you know? And I think that's like the hugest, the like biggest contrast that you see with Squidward is that he sees SpongeBob's talent and is immediately like, oh no, you don't know what you're talking about. I have to shut it down. Yeah. yeah. And he has to like, he stifles the creation, which he could have been looking at it from like a critical eye because Squidward, I think suffers sometimes a little bit from what I suffer of where it's like you learn all these rules and tactical like strategic situations going into it yeah and then you kind of lose a little bit of the art form yeah of it and like I find that like it's kind of difficult like on on my end where I'm like oh okay like this is how you should cook something or this is how you should line up a shot and then sometimes like that can be kind of stifling to stick so strongly to the rules yeah. But since Squidward has like that expertise, he could have been looking at SpongeBob's work and being like, you know, you could you could make this even better. Like you're such a great student. Like, you know, yeah. I do think that you should as a teacher, if you see someone doing better than you ever did, like foster that, push that student even further than you could ever hope for. You because know? in the end, I think for a teacher, it becomes part of your legacy. That you mm-hmm. help this person who's already really good become better. And that I think is more important than making them or making yourself shine bright. I don't know, right? Making yeah. yourself feel like you're more important. Yeah. And I feel like that's something I ran into a lot during like my school year situation is like some teachers were very good at like seeing the movie that you were trying to make and then try to help you improve that. Yeah. And then other teachers are very much like, well, this movie could go this way. And it's like um, one of my upperclassmen at the time explained it to me better. It's like, imagine like someone who's really into Westerns and you were making like uh, like a comedy and they were like, oh, I wish this comedy was more like this Western. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like they're just slowly imposing their own worldview on your creation instead of, and that's why like when I give feedback, it's less along the lines of this character would be more entertaining if they made this choice and the story went in this direction. Like, cause there are times where I want to do that, mm. but it's usually because I think the person's work is more boring, but yeah. <laughs> but the other times it's like, most of the time I'm telling people like, I was confused why your character did this or why this happens in the event. Or like you're falling into this kind of trope, which I think is more insightful of like a criticism than like, oh, I wish your character did this in act two instead of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I see that. I saw that same thing in college. And I think it's really hard with artistic mediums Mm -hmm. or entertainment mediums to be that type of teacher who can foster it more easily, you know, instead of imposing your own artistic views on something because there's definitely a lot of teachers especially in a theater program Mm -hmm. who would tell you this is how it had to be right yeah you know and i'm sure you ran into that too in film oh 100 but i definitely had some other teachers who are like very much like no okay i see what you're trying to do and maybe it'd be more clear if you tried it this way like and i'm going to offer advice you don't have to take this but to think about it differently that's what's important is to have Mm -hmm. in challenging 
pupils to think differently, to try yeah. to try to make it so they come to the answer themselves, I think, you know? Yeah. Because like um I find a lot, especially like with films, so like a classic thing in film is the one eighty degree rule. So what this means is when there's two people in a scene or just people in a scene, usually it's two people and they're looking at each other, you want to place your camera on one side of them within 180 degrees of like that side. So like if you pick one hat, like if it's me and you looking at each other, mm -hmm. all the camera should always be on like my right side. And you have like 180 degrees to play with. It's kind of hard to explain uh, in an audio medium, but <laughs> basically... Um, a lot of people run into the situation where if you shoot on the other side of it, which can be done, it gets very confusing for the viewer to figure out where they are in the space. Gotcha. Um, but a lot of young videographers and young people who are, like, are making movies don't know anything about the rules, so they start like flip-flopping all over the place and it becomes very confusing. Mm -hmm. But what I find a lot, too, when you're teaching anyone like something new is sometimes they come up with a really creative way to break the rule that they don't know that they broke yeah and i feel like sometimes teachers get so hung up on the rule which i feel like squidward was doing he gets oh, so hung up on like all the rules on how to make something that they didn't see if it was working or not so yeah. like spongebob like drew a perfect circle he drew a perfect circle but he drew it by drawing like an anatomically correct, correct face. he went real backwards how he did yeah, it. yeah. And maybe it would have been easier for Squidward to be like, well, how can you take this process that it takes you forever and draw like a simple circle without yeah. having to do it? Again, like think outside of or help them think outside of what they're doing, right? Not yeah. bash them, but think outside of it. Challenge yeah. them, you know? I don't know. It just like I feel like so many times, especially when you give like I see it so much with kids. You give a kid a camera. Mm -hmm. You get some interesting compositions. You get yeah. really, because they don't care about what looks good conventionally. They care about what looks good to them or what they think is other people are going to be interested in, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is honestly sometimes more compelling than something a professional can ever figure out. Well, and, and that was one of the most interesting, one of the most interesting things I did in college was uh, teach that light song class. And one of the most and one reason it was most interesting is because it was a lot of people like you took that class. Well, you didn't take it. You took like a week. I like, cheated. We cheated. Yeah, we did it at night or whatever. But it was like one of those things. <laughs> I sneak took it. Yeah. But it was one of those things where like a lot of people have never touched a light board before. They had very like minimal, but they never designed with like LEDs into a song. Mm -hmm. And just like being there as a mentor, just kind of like guide them along. And like people were able to create some really cool stuff. People who were like, I would not say are creative at all. were able yeah. to make some really, really nice, beautiful things. And I think that's really important. Again, it's just about fostering and allowing them to have the unique skills that they have already, but letting them understand how to apply that. And I think it also shows how much art is universal, how yeah. you can like, yeah, maybe some people it is like technically, I think think how many people that are technically proficient and aren't creative and then the other way around where people are so creative, but they have no idea how anything works. Yeah. And I feel like it's older people tend to fall into the the latter category where it's like I can't tell you how many people have like gotten to levels in creative fields that they have no idea how the camera I use works, but they know how to light even though they don't know what light is doing it. They're like, I just want this light here and coming from this direction. And it's like, it works for them. 
but I feel like uh, the younger generation is very much the opposite, where it's like we're so technical that we start like losing, losing the focus artistic. Of, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I definitely see that. Yeah, but I don't know. So let's talk about this whole Marvel montage. <laughs> he's like you have to embrace like are you telling me in this book of art you have to embrace the marble sniff it lick it wash it date it and then become the marble until and that's how you make your your marble creation are you telling me that you don't do all that when you I, make a film uh no wow uh, that's probably Maybe. minor trash <laughs> uh i don't embrace sniff lick or wash or date the marble sometimes i'll be the film but, be the film. Uh, but yeah not i'm skipping else. all the other steps i guess <laughs> It is it is kind of crazy, right? And it's probably like an exaggeration, you know. And I think this is very much an uh, an animator's or a writer's point of view of how it is to be taught in school when you're taught mm. all these rules. But how can you be taught how to make art, right? Yeah. And I think that's kind of the silliness that they're trying to play on. Like it's giving you all these rules that you have to do, but is it really going to make you that much more artistic or that creative? No, not really. And there's there's so much like. I think hidden layers between in this episode where it's just like, okay, well, how many times have you had a teacher that doesn't respect you? And how many times have you had students that don't respect you? Or you have students that come in so amazing and then they leave like not as good because of all the rules that you imposed on them. Yeah. You know? And then um, not to mention the fact that, you know, both Squidward and (laughs) I guess the trash guy, technically the custodian, (laughs) Was like ended up taking other people's creations and passing them off on their own. Yeah, and like even think of uh, meme culture. Like that's what we do all the time. Like even us on our podcast, on our like or uh, on our Instagram, we take stills from the, the from show. this art. Yeah, and we meme them and we put new meanings behind it. But it's like we're we're profiting. <laughs> profiting oh, <laughs> sure maybe one day uh maybe one day um but there are people like accounts that profit off other people's content yeah yeah well and that again i think art is just so weird in that way too that it people have been plagiarized and profited off other people's work for so for so long and we see mm-hmm. it in music too we see it in every i think every kind of industry you see it it's yeah. wild i do want to spend a moment talking about how squidward makes his most beautiful art when he's just working with raw emotion. Yeah. And do you think that's why SpongeBob was so good when he started? Cause he wasn't making art to try to make beautiful art. He was just making art for fun. Yeah, I think so. He's using like his heart to make it. Yeah. The heart of the cards, the heart of the cards. Well, I, I, I do think like, and I don't know, I, people have arguments about if design is art or not, but I, I like to think it's art that mm. when I, design and stuff a lot of times when some of my best work comes from like a better emotional connection to a piece or mm. to a song or whatever specifically so i think that there is a lot to be said when that you're creating if you have a lot of emotional connection to something or a lot of emotion behind motivating what you're doing mm-hmm. it comes out better and that's what we saw with squidward it was anger but the anger made this beautiful statue right so yeah. Which for me, I find it so weird because like sometimes it's the opposite for me where like sometimes I'm just lighting based on gut instinct yeah, and feel. And then like sometimes I have to like step back and be like, okay, what is this light doing? What is it supposed to be doing? And then I'm like, oh, okay. Like for me, like the biggest thing is like uh, 
reminding myself that like you know video is a two-dimensional medium and i'm always trying to accentuate that it's three dimensions yeah like so like that i'm like oh okay well maybe i should start putting this light here or put some more texture on this wall or stuff like that but like i do think that starting from like a creative gut spot is i don't know like i think the fundamentals come out within your gut instinct yeah and that's and like, that's part of really that i think is teach. talent and so, yeah it's part of yeah, like you're saying it's hard to teach i like yeah. part of it i do think is talent and the other part i think is just like when talent mixes with you know the technical fundamentals you know yeah because i can't tell you how many times that like i walked into a room with like another dp where i'm like i'm not really like in charge of the lighting but i'm helping out and they're like okay i'm gonna put the person here I'm like, oh, okay, so you're going to put the person here. We think in the light right here and probably a light right here. And then they go, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. And then we're lighting and I go, well, I start setting something up and I'll say, what do you think about this? And they go like, oh, that really, that's really nice. And like, that's an unspoken, like fundamental language that we're speaking. And uh. it's also like, like, it's not like we're being formulaic. It's just being like creative in the same vein, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. Like where you're when you're working with that many other people and you're like, does this work? And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly where I wanted it to be. You yeah, know? it's like it, I think it's part of that gut feeling that you share with these people who also experience this art form, right? For you, it's that lighting, film, and stuff, and it's like all part of a process, this artistic process that's unspoken for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but is kind of shared in similarities and stuff. So, it's just okay. One big question I have before we we wrap up this act that is really really bugging me is why are housewives Squidward's target audience? Right, I was wondering that too. It was so out of nowhere, I and hope, I was like, I don't know if it's a misogynistic thing. In my heart, I hope Squidward just wants to enable the housewife to have an artistic outlet, mm-hmm. so that way she's not so trapped in her day to day. Yeah, because obviously the the housewife they showed was very much like that nineteen fifties typical stuck in the yeah. gender norms, like trapped in this weird man space. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but hopefully, hopefully, there's women out there making something as beautiful as bold and brash. Hopefully, and also people wear socks. That's it. I'm not gonna go into. <laughs> All right, you ready for the big lesson? Always ready for the big lesson. Okay, so for this week's big lesson, do you want to go first? I think I think you should go first. I'll go, I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, that way it doesn't seem like I'm copying anyone this time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I last week you went first to get. Last week we went first, so I I just I think I need three under my belt to really be convinced that you're not like secretly hacking into my computer and looking at my notes. Here we go. Are you ready? Hopefully, we didn't yeah. get the same one. Um, it is perfectly okay and honestly normal to not be perfect. Is Ooh, my lesson. that's really yeah. good. I actually like yours better than mine. Yeah, and so that's a and they apply differently to both episodes. In the first one, like to to pretend like you don't cuss and that you that's a below you, I think is so silly. And like we're talking about, it's like very hypocritical of like parents, but it's hypocritical in general when people are like, "Oh, you shouldn't be cussing," but then. 100% guaranteed that person has said a ton of cuss words throughout their day, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's, you can express that it is not the best in certain social situations, but to pretend like you're better than that, 
then to cuss is think is silly. So, mm-hmm. and then in um, Act Two, I think Squidward tried to make it make SpongeBob put SpongeBob in this box of rules that he didn't wasn't doing all the proper rules and all the perfect um, uh, methods to make art. But mm-hmm. again, you don't need to do all these perfect things if what you're making is true to you and it looks good, right? So again, it's not it's okay to be different and not exactly perfect. So yeah, yeah, perfect is lame. It is lame. I can't tell you how many times you see like a perfect quote unquote framing. Like I can't tell you how many instructional videos I say they're like, this is perfect three point lighting, and I'm like, but this is boring. Yeah. This yeah. is lame. I don't like, yeah, but does it look good? <laughs> I think people like different. People like stuff that isn't perfect or imperfect and stuff, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that's important to think about. Like yeah. our Minecraft houses. Exactly. Well, <laughs> mine's pretty perfect. But... <laughs> perfect perfect for you. Exactly. Mine is perfect for me. Exactly. Uh, what did you get? Me was stopping exploration sometimes creates negative behaviors. Well, I like that one too. All right. Because very much like in the first one, like you're stopping the natural course of SpongeBob and Patrick's like vulgarity learning. Like obviously everyone else in Bikini Bottom, even like that octopus child somehow knew that that was the first word. word. Yeah. Which we didn't even get to the whole situation. Like are they censoring a curse word or is that how they curse? Like making noises Noises. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Um, never really explained, I guess. Yeah, because, I mean, at the very end, they hit Mr. Jenkins. She hits her foot with Mr. Jenkins' jalopy, and it's all, like, the aruga sound. Like, I can't do it right now. Aruga. <laughs> I can't think of it. Yeah. Aruga. And everyone thought that she cursed, and obviously, like, it wasn't being censored. That was just how the noise is. So, I don't know. But, again, like, kids, and that's actually what they said in, like, I read on the wiki is when this episode came out, everyone was very offended that they're like, oh, well, this is going to teach kids about curse words. But all right. <laughs> it's again, it's about that, like, it's the natural order of things for kids to eventually hear a curse word. Yeah. Like, you can't shield them from adult life their entire life unless no. they're like living in a bubble. No. Um, and I think the same thing happens with Act Two, where it's like, you know, Squidward should have just letting, been letting SpongeBob like free roam until eventually, like, he could find maybe there's like art that spongebob's not good at you know yeah imagine having like a hundred percent power artistic spongebob that'd be too much too much too much much art for the world yeah but yeah so i think a lot of times in our lives we stop things because they're like taboo or not even taboo or like just again they're they're weird they're not perfect like you're talking about and it causes you know, parts of your life to not be... Sometimes society isn't 100% right all the time. The societal no. norms are kind of boring or, like, the biggest thing I think of is, like, sexuality is the biggest, like, like argument people always have. It's like you're grown up with all these, like, very heteronormative things. Yeah. And, like, there's whole, like, sexual situations that people are going, like... Exploring now. Exploring yeah. now yeah. or, like, have never experienced like which just makes things confusing it makes you feel like you're probably doing something wrong and i think that's really crappy you know how society is and just sexual stuff in general like when they teach abstinence that you're not supposed to explore your like sexual needs yeah ends up leading to more pregnancies anyways right so so yeah like again like 
I feel like it applies in a lot of like modern day stuff where yeah. that weird like curiosity is sometimes by adults just pushed away. They're like, oh no, 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 no. you don't want to you don't want to know talk about that. And there are times where I think you can like distract a kid with like, oh no, 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 uh, uh we'll talk about that later and then to see if they forget. Right. But yeah. I think there are definitely other times like it's worse to just put it push it off and push it off when you can just tell a kid. That's a curse word. Don't use it. Right. You know? Yeah. And then that, at least that kid's using the curse word properly. At least they, they have a better understanding instead of living in this weird, like, nebulous thing in their mind, right? Yeah, they're getting punished for something they don't, under, they don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We got good lessons this week. These, yeah. these two episodes, I feel like, were pretty, like, full of content, though. So it was good. Yeah. Yeah. This was a very deep, like, a lot deeper than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. But Sailor Mouth is like a hilarious episode. It is. It is. Just like They're with all the noises really and everything. Both of them are really good. Like even Spon- we didn't touch on SpongeBob going to the dump, but that scene's hilarious and everything yeah. too. So it's definitely worth multiple watches. This one. Yeah. All right. So thank you all for listening to this week's episode. If you want to send us any suggestions or comments, please reach out to us on ismaysapodcast.com or email us at ismaysapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Shoot us some DMs. Let us know what your favorite curse words are. As long <laughs> as they're not racial slurs, I, I should be okay with it. It should be fine. Um, but yeah, be sure to share this podcast with your friends and your enemies because they could use, you know, a little bit of help. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And since I failed uh, this whole not cursing thing, I did say the D word once which you'll probably hear during the episode. I'm not going to cut it out. I'm going to leave it in. I'm going to shame you just like Cersei. I'm going to walk behind you with a bell. (laughs) No, thank you. Please. (laughs) What I would like to reward Josh with is I want him to cuss as much as he wants in this to like play us out. Ready? I'm so excited for this. Go for it. (gasps) Bye. Bye.